And now, a word from our sponsors. Need a catch-up session on what you missed last week? Now you're listening to ArchD Radio, the podcast mix. Life FM, James here with you this evening. Hope you're having a fantastic time. Joined here today, I think, on the show for the very first time, although it's definitely not the very first time we've recorded stuff together, Hudson, uh, here on the RHD show. Hudson Cosgrove, formerly, um, uh, you were you were a prefect at Blackfriars last year, year 12. Yeah. And now you're done, you're out. And you were talking <laughs> this morning about the weird experience of sending your younger brothers and sisters off to school. Well, you don't do that. Yeah. So what was, I mean, what was the sort of the moment this morning that really, oh, that's weird. Like in particular. I think seeing them all in their uniforms Mm. and, you know, normally I'd be up at like 7am day one, getting ready, bags packed, everything. And even the night before, like laptops charged, Mm -hmm. make sure your pencil case is there. (laughs) But not having to do that this year, seeing my brother and sister doing that and you go, this feels weird. So there was no Campion delivery no, there was nothing. It was just, you know, they all got their books and laptops and uniforms. They had to yeah. go get their all fittings and that. And I'm just like sitting at home going, I don't have to do that this year. Although, interestingly, you're going to be in a different capacity this year. You're definitely not done with school. Definitely not done. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of how your role with your your, your former school has continued and also how it pertains to kind of what we're doing here today? Well, I'm coming back this year um, in 2024 to help out my old school mm-hmm. um, as kind of like their podcasting coach, mentor kind of thing, I guess you could say. So I'll be back in and around the school to help out the boys um, to hopefully put out more episodes this year of The Torch, um, which is the podcast at Blackfriars. Um, and with my, hopefully my skills and passion for podcasting, we can create some fantastic episodes. No, it's fantastic. And the reason we're actually only doing a show today, it was an afterthought thinking, well, while you're here, let's do a radio show because we're planning, we're going to do a big day introducing everyone at the beginning of the yeah. school year to say, let's come together like and begin in a really organized and, and, and sort of like passionate way, but with a really good scaffolding. So we've been working today on on coming up with a good presentation to get everyone inspired exactly. and amped up to, to think, do that. I don't think there's any free whiteboard space left. No, we've used room. up, actually, I've often thought I have way too many whiteboards, but we've used them all up, <laughs> all around the room today on all of the planning. So we've definitely, we're ready. I'd say we we're ready. We're ready. ready. You're listening to RHD on Life FM. James here with you with Hudson Cosgrove, my very special guest. Today, uh, I guess he's like the podcasting coach at Blackfriars this year, working with the team of students on their kind of podcast magazine show. It's like a bit of a newsletter, but in podcast version called The Torch. It's really wild. It's definitely cool. And we'll put a link to that in the uh, in our social media stuff. Just look for anything RHD Radio and you can see some links to episodes of The Torch, award-winning episodes of The Torch, yeah, I should say, which is brilliant. Now, got to ask you a question, Hudson. Now, you and I, as we have discussed, we're both big Star Wars fans. Okay, so for you, what's the go-to movie? And in that movie, what's the go-to moment? What's the oh. what's what's the peak of Star Wars-ness for you? Look, I loved all the old movies, don't get me wrong. But I think You're like, about to say something really inflammatory, I know it. <laughs> I think I loved the new ones. Mm. I'm very much a movie person. So seeing like, you know, the new cinemas and all that, I think my favourite one is the new one with Ray. Okay. Um, so the first one out of that series, which I think... It's Force Awakens, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And I think seeing her story start down 
and build up from you know being a so like a nobody no mm. one really knowing to being this moment in the film where yep. she finds herself and you know you get to see her grow from this person who had no idea what she was to being someone all the way again to the very last movie that real character so the whole arc of the three movies really is what the you're three about. movies yeah so so what what was the moment for you where you went oh yes this is it this is the my peak Oh, this is where it's really hit its, its uh, crescendo. I think it was when Ray was fighting Kylo Ren and Kylo Ren's in his little spaceship thing yeah, yeah. on the desert and he's coming for Ray. Yeah. And Ray's standing there watching him going, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And you see her pull her lightsaber out, jump into the air, do kind of like a full 360 flip yeah. and just chop the wing off of it. Ray, uh, Kylo Ren's kind of like stormtrooper mobile thing. I don't know yeah. what you call it. And just you just see it go sliding off into the distance in the desert. And Ray's just standing there with her lightsaber after doing this 360 spin in the air. Mm-hmm. I think that was my pretty cool moment. moment. It was a cool moment. And if you're wondering, we didn't just put a sound effect in there. That was actually a plane <laughs> flying over, <laughs> over the studio. But I thought it totally captured the mood. It was perfectly Totally fun. captured the mood. Now, um, you're, a, you're a Star Wars fan. You've, the way you've said it shows your obvious passion for it. And I'm a big fan as well of definitely, I'm going to say, the early movies. But this is definitely of my era, of my time. But there are lengths that people who are Star Wars fans that they go to that really do push things out a lot. A lot, Like, mm. you have to see all the Comic-Con things and all of the, the way that people dress up. We've seen this now, like, on a, on, on a scale that I've never witnessed this before. And it's immortalised. There's no way this can ever be undone once it's done. So, um, one keen-eyed, I guess, formerly Twitter user, ex-user... Her name is Jane Hunt. She has been looking at aerial photographs of towns. Because, of course, why not? (laughs) It's a slow Thursday. What are you going to do? So she's looking at aerial photos of towns and has noticed that there is a housing estate out in Wales, in a a, a town called Oakdale, um, that is a pretty good spitting image of another thing. Um, and I'm just going to show this to you now. And I think straight away you're going to see precisely what I'm talking about. <laughs> so what I'm showing Hudson at the moment, and I'll put this up on our social media. This town has literally been created in the shape of, and what is what would you call this? The Millennium The Millennium Falcon. Falcon. It looks exactly <laughs> like it. And you could say, this is not by chance. No. But this is definitely very, very intentional. Um, Ariel, you go, that that is a picture of the Millennium Falcon, but traced out with streets and squares and stuff like that. But from a, a height of a few thousand feet, there is no question what it's to look like. So um, it's created this kind of, this sort of online storm of interest or whatever, um, and created a little bit of feedback from um, none other than George Lucas himself Ooh. to say, um, talking about the origin of what the Millennium Falcon was originally supposed to be. And he threw the design together at the very last minute um, and it was supposed to be a mix of a hamburger and an olive together. (laughs) The estate likely, this is from the article, is likely to have taken a bit more thought than that, but it is tempting to imagine that it's the handiwork of a lonely Star Wars fan holed up in a fusty office somewhere and fantasizing about a ship that was said to be fast as a bat falcon and resilient enough to last a millennium. That's where it came from, the name. Oh. Mm, Millennium Falcon. There you go. In a neat coincidence, but get this for coincidences, the Millennium Falcon 
as seen in the original trilogy, was actually built in a hangar not far from where this town is. Oh. Originally, yeah. A huge-scale model of it was constructed in secrecy and then it was transported to Pinewood Studios in London with the big movie studio there, which is where they did all the filming for that. Okay, so... um, yeah, that's pretty wild. Absolutely wild. wild. So, um, if you were to create a town, I don't know if you could really create a town that looks like Ray jumping over a, <laughs> over a spaceship and cutting it up. You could probably do something pretty neat in paper mache, though. <laughs> I can say definitely in my younger years. Yeah. I don't know how much I'd get into it now, but definitely younger years. I remember sitting there, you know, building the horse sculptures and blowing up the balloons and paper mashing and then the balloon popping. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that, you could definitely do a balloon jumping over a balloon. Oh, without a doubt. That, that'd be easy. And now... Everyone's talking about tennis at the moment, Hudson. It's a big thing. Well, you know, the Tennis Australian Open just wrapped up. Um, but there's always the thing. Do you put your left sock on first? Do you put your right sock on first when you go to play tennis? Left shoe, right shoe? Do you have to always put your top on first or your pants on first? So, James, it got me thinking. (laughs) Do you have any superstitions that you have to follow before you go live on air or anything in general? Um, I would say that there's an odd superstition that I have. I don't know if it's like that, but there is one thing that I will never, ever do in my entire life based on a kind of a superstition I have that that came from when I was about, I'd say about 19 years old, it began. So I was at your age, basically, when yeah. it all happened. So at that stage, um, I was working as a musician quite a bit as a guitar player. And um, uh, a friend of mine uh, rang me up and said, who I didn't really know very well, and they rang me up on the phone because we used to do that in those days. Um, and said, look, James, I just want to let you know that I had this dream last night that you um, were playing music and you were playing on a stage and you were playing a red guitar and um, the the guitar attacked you and killed you, right? I was like, oh, okay, that's a bit odd because it was someone I didn't even really know very well. Mm. So it was a bit of a strange thing to do. Then we got on to talking about other things and, and that was that, right? So that all happened. Then later on that very same day, my very best friend, who I'd known, we'd been best friends since high school and from early on in high school, so we'd known each other for a number of years. And and he said, James, this is going to sound so strange, but I had this bizarre dream last night that you were in and you were playing on stage with a red Fender Telecaster guitar, so more specific model, okay, red Fender Telecaster guitar, and you fell off the stage and died. Oh, Okay, this is and these and I was thinking they're up to something, you know. But they didn't know each other. They were from completely different corners of my life, and they didn't know each other whatsoever. So since that time, um, I have never ever in my life, and I'm 48 now, just letting on. So in that entire 30 years, I have never ever played a red Telecaster in my life, and (laughs) I won't. Never going to pick one up. No, no, no. And I've been offered to a few times if you sort of like go and play somewhere and like get up on stage and I've got my no, 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 can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. I know what's I know what's going to happen. You don't even need to tell me. So as superstitions go, yeah, that's probably my my big key one. No red guitars for James. No right? red no guitars. For, no, no, exactly. Now the reason I say that is big tennis star Novak Djokovic has a very weird superstition that's mm-hmm. just recently appeared in the news. I'll read you the news article here. It says Novak Djokovic's top secret tree romance in Melbourne has <laughs> tennis fans wondering if he's found the next wooden Graham slammed secret. 
the world number one confessed to a 15-year fling with a mysterious tree, keeping its identity tighter than a tennis ball in a championship match. A tree. A tree. That's an odd one. Now, it goes on to say here, when pressed about the tree, Djokovic teased, I got <laughs> connected. about the tree. <laughs> Tell us more about the tree, Novak. Tell us more about the tree. I love how our news has come to a tree. <laughs> so it goes, I connected with the tree, with that tree. I just liked it. I liked its roots and its trunks and its branches and everything. So I started climbing it years ago. That's it. I just have a connection. Plus, now it's a part of my yearly routine here in Melbourne. I come visit it once a year. Wow. And it hasn't ruined me yet. So I guess it's one of my many superstitions. Now, he goes on to say that he isn't going to tell us where this tree is. I was going to say, otherwise it would become like fan central. Exactly. Yeah. We know that it's somewhere within the Mat- Melbourne Botanical Gardens, but he's going, I'm keeping it tight-lipped. Yep. With many people flocking to the Botanical Gardens. <laughs> I don't think the Botanical Gardens has seen this many people in years yeah, since yeah. this. So, it got me asking you, James, do you have, would you go as far to go to a tree to keep your superstition in the hope that you'll be able to win your Grand Slam? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if that was the case, in helping me in any superstition, I mean, the guitar thing is the only superstition I have. So I definitely, I definitely would never play a red Telecaster, one, <laughs> and I definitely wouldn't play a red Telecaster made out of the wood from that tree. <laughs> that would be where I absolutely, absolutely draw the line. Because especially I'd have Novak Djokovic after me. Exactly. Then. So you would definitely not go and hug <laughs> Imagine a tree. he goes down there and fights, sees the trees and all the cut down. Yeah, this guy named James has got it. He's made a guitar out of it or something. That, you, you take it up with him. That's, that's where your dream would all become true. That's what, exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> that's where the red Telecaster and the dream and my death yeah. and your death would if be. They there. didn't mention in the dream that Novak Djokovic appeared because I don't know he might not have even been born. <laughs> hey, this is Emma. Hi, I'm Zach. Hey, everybody, this is Matt Morris. That's Tom. That's Riley. And now this is Archie. Archie Radio 1079. <laughs> School would be a very close memory to you still. You very know, close. You, you, the, this morning you got up and started packing your lunchbox and was like, "Now hang on." I don't do that anymore. I don't do it. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. Um, but surely there must have been moments where at school, because I know this happened to me a gazillion times, when you're just hanging out with people, you're just having like a just a general innocent conversation, and then someone takes something that you've said, a completely innocent comment, completely the wrong way, and then everything is all of a sudden taken out of context. Of course. This has happened? Of course. Um, it probably takes me back to last year. Um, we all love our food. We do. You know, love our canteen lady down at Blackfriars as well. And we would all. Your canteen at Blackfriars is something else. And I tell you what, the staff that work there, I've got to say, are passionate. Oh, wonderful. The job that Veronica does there, oh, couldn't praise her enough. But we all have our favourite food. And, Mm. you know, you're passionate about it. So my favourite is the lemon chicken with rice that's in a little tinfoil packet with its cardboard lid on you top. got that from your canteen that's I, insane exactly you know go home and my sister's like oh what do you have at your canteen i tell her and she goes i just have brownies <laughs> even just, brownies is pretty good and she's like it's just brownies i'm like is there anything else she's like no. no so but um so i have this lemon chicken and i go we're having a conversation and food comes up and i go oh my favorite thing from the canteen is the lemon chicken like by far mm-hmm. and someone goes what do you mean I'm like, it's the lemon chicken. And they go, but I thought your favourite thing was the honey chicken. We both agreed that our favourite food was the honey chicken. I'm like, yeah, it was, but that was well before I found the lemon chicken. Like the lemon chicken, like it's just so, like it's yum. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's the lemon chicken. So he's like, so what, for this past year, I thought your favourite was the honey chicken. 
and I'd buy the honey chicken and you'd eat it, but it wasn't your favorite. I'm like, yeah, I'd still eat it because it's food, (laughs) but like my favorite's the lemon chicken. He was appalled that I said really? that lemon chicken was my favorite, he's, not the honey. I was going to say, bro, he's getting possessive, man. Like yeah. that's that's a, that's a lot. But I guess if you if you buy someone something, going, I'm buying them their favorite thing, and then they they're going, oh yeah, thanks, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's not what I really wanted, but still, no, 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 fine, that's fine, yeah, that's fine. Like, don't get me wrong, honey chicken was definitely my favorite back then, but now it's the lemon chicken. Okay, well, look, there, there's been okay, so. Th- th- these kinds of conversations they can escalate i mean i'm, I'm mm. hoping you guys got past this oh of course yeah okay this is one that as one of these one of these really innocent comments which is might have caused a massive rift in international diplomacy <laughs> of the most drastic kind okay oh. so the special relationship as they call it which is what they call the relationship between the us and the uk yeah um has come under pressure this week oh no when a US academic had the cheek, the cheek, to suggest that adding salt to tea was a good thing while over in the UK, sparking a flurry of diplomatic banter. A cup of tea is a national institution in Britain, as you know. And as a friend of mine, um, uh, Rob, who used to play uh, music with me, we, we, we would talk a lot about um, um, sort of like English customs because he's from South London who'd grown up there his entire life. And he talks about the, the the cup of tea being, it's a lot more than just a drink that you have. Mm. It's something that you have when you welcome someone into your home. And it's almost like whenever anything kind of bad goes wrong in people's lives and family, it's like, going, I'll put the kettle on. You know, it's a, <laughs> it's it's seen to be, it's it's symbolic of so much more than that. It's in all those TV that. shows and movies. Exactly. I'll put the kettle on. <laughs> the cup of tea is a national institution in Britain, about as British as the royal family, pubs and fish and chips. So when American chemist Michelle Frankel claimed a pinch of salt was required for the perfect brew, it caused quite a stir. <laughs> Keen to repair the damage to relations with its closest ally, the US Embassy in London had to step in. Oh, my God. <laughs> they put out a statement. We, <laughs> that sounds very full on. <laughs> we want to ensure the good people of the UK that the unthinkable notion of adding salt to Britain's national drink is not official United States policy <laughs> and never will be. That's good. Very, very, very important. Let us unite in, unite in our steep solidarity and show the world that when it comes to tea, we stand as one. So clearly it didn't get so bad. There's a little bit of tongue-in-cheekness there. And the way that the English then responded to that yep. um, sort of shows that too. So... Um, uh, and then they that they ended it by saying uh, the embassy would continue to make tea the proper way by using a microwave. <laughs> so very, very important. So I'm hoping that the, your relationship with this friend of yours, now that you've actually mended it, there was other things that you weren't also not telling the truth about. I mean, was there anything like this beverage related, perhaps? Did he get you anything to go with the that? that you go, <laughs> oh, you know what? Mm, I like Fanta. <laughs> But I much prefer something else. Um, Would you be, you know, are you happy to confess it here on the radio? Look, there there has been times. Um, not a massive fizzy drink fan myself. Like I like you know Pepsi's Cokes. They obviously don't sell any of that at our school because you know we're trying to the healthy yeah, yeah. stuff. But um, we have these Glee little Glee cans. You know, like Tropical or Mango. Did you say Glee? Glee. 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 Yeah, Glee. <laughs> It doesn't get any less ridiculous the more you say it, yeah, does no, it? Yeah, um, And he got me one of those cans and I'm just like, like, you know, I, I drank it because, you know, you don't want to be rude, but I'm just sitting there going, not a massive fizzy drink fan. 
But then the next day went straight back for my um, mango iced tea from yeah. Lipton Iced Tea. Thank you very much. Perfect. But I think your whole relationship with this dude is built on a lie. <laughs> <laughs> and now... We were chatting a little bit off air about fanatical fandom and how far people are willing to go for things. Yeah, exactly. Now, people love their sports. They love Mm -hmm. their artists. You know, Taylor Swift's coming to town very shortly and we've heard stories of people lining up. Dude, I heard your story (laughs) of lining up. It It was 16 hours of a lot of not of fun but then all for the good causes in the end, you know. Yeah. But, James, it got me thinking. Mm. How much have you spent to see your favourite artist or sporting heroes? Oh, uh, look, I've gone I've gone to crazy lengths for, for, for people that I really like. I do get very obsessive. Yeah. And ever since I was probably um, 14, 15 years old, I've been very, very obsessed with um, Pink Floyd, the band Pink Floyd, okay. and um, have just, you know collected everything of theirs and 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 followed theirs and and become sort of like a bit of a a fanatical burning bush about all the stuff to do with them um and just recently that and they have not come to australia as a band to perform since before i became a fan so 1988 was the last year they were here so it's been a long time since they came um until last year um it was announced that the um, the drummer from the band was coming over with a whole bunch of other people who've been involved in the band and, and stuff like that over the years to perform a show of all of the music that was released prior to their big hit record. Their big hit record was Dark Side of the Moon, right? Okay. But they made 14 albums and Dark Side of the Moon was number seven. So all of the music before that was what they were going to feature and focus on. So you can be rest assured the only people who'd be willing to go to that are the real hardcore diehard fans. And it was exactly. done in a theatre. They were doing theatres over on the East Coast. And and so um, I planned to go over to Melbourne. So I got a, a ticket to go over there um, and then planned to then drive over there at the same time and then... Um, um, stay there overnight um, and then drive back again um, after that. But then, of course, on top of that is all of the queuing Ugh. that you've got to do there because it is a general admission thing. So you get there first, you get to the very front. So I drove there a day beforehand so I could spend a whole day queuing in that. And this isn't the first time I've done something <laughs> like that. So I have my little rituals that I do in order to do that. Protein bars are great. Okay. Really good. Making sure you stay hydrated. Very, very important. You've got to make good friends in the line very early in the day so you can time your toilet breaks So and they'll mind your spot for you. So all of that was kind of really, really critical to go to the day. But the one, this is where the obsessive bit comes in. So the one thing that is very very interesting about pink floyd fans in particular is i would say that per capita they have a lot more tattoos of to, to commemorate pink floyd than anything else so in addition to that we um literally spent most of the time in the queue literally comparing tattoos with one another which is really funny. <laughs> um <laughs> um but then right at the very very last minute about oh I'd been there all day and I think an hour and a half before um, the doors were due to open, uh, another queue starts to form on the other side of oh, the no. building with a door going in. And I was like, what's that? And I'm like talking to other people, what's that, what's that? And they're like, I don't know what that is. Who is that? And um, people just sort of started rocking up sort of, you know, about an hour beforehand. And so I yelled at them across the way going, what's the line for? Are we in the wrong line? Because 
oh no, this is the VIP line. What's the VIP line? We get let in an hour before you do. (laughs) That was my reaction too. Horrified. Absolutely horrified. So how long have you been lining up for that point? Probably about 10 hours at this point. 10 hours. 10 hours. So, um, so... It was just kind of, but fortunately, the thing that was really good about it is these guys, they went in, got there because they got like a little show bag with bits in it. And then they came out again just to sort of hang out and just sort of get some fresh air before the show goes. So by the time the doors open and all of us feral people who've been (laughs) lining up all that time ran in, we still all got spots up the very, very front. And it was an amazing show. So, yes, definitely. Big lengths, big expense, everything. Well, I'm glad, but I'm not sure... If it beats this story coming out of the NFL this week. Oh, yeah. So it reads, get ready for your financial touchdown of the year. Attending the Super Bowl is a wild ride, to say the least. Not just for your team, but also for your wallet as well. Get this. Reports suggest that a draw-dropping 290% surge in ticket prices over the last decade. With this year's average ticket costing $10,000. thousand dollars how can that be how can that be true because who's going to go to that no one can go to that except really 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 rich Rich people people. Mm. but that's just to sit right up the top no so ten thousand dollars to sit right up in the nosebleeds Mm. tickets can go for twenty thousand dollars or more to sit down the front yeah right right and it's that's so fans from kansas missouri and california jetting over to las vegas might shell out over thirteen thousand dollars but to, to catch a glimpse of their team. Chiefs fans, however, could be looking at a hefty $13,200 bill, a whopping 23% of the state's average <laughs> salary. So you're going to spend 23% wow. of your salary to go. Get it, I hate to say it, but it gets a little bit better for San Francisco fans. Okay. As they are geographically closer, they can take the nine-hour drive, but that's not everyone's cup of tea. But for flying, getting a hotel and a Super Bowl ticket could cost $200 less at $13,000, almost yeah, right. 17% of the California's average salary. It is a fine- So where is so where's the Super Bowl in here? Is it in Kansas? It's in Las Vegas this year. Oh, Las Vegas, okay. So um but it's $10,000 for a ticket. That's wild. So James, to see Pink Floyd, <laughs> would you spend $10,000 to go watch Pink Floyd but also have the opportunity to meet them? Would $10,000 Yeah, $10, I mean I I reckon I reckon if I tell you what would be worth ten thousand dollars to me. Ten thousand dollars to me would be if I could go to one specific concert that I that I would have gone because I think when you look back at, at sort of like old music and stuff like that, my my oldest daughter's the same because she loves um really really old music only. There's like always these one seminal performance that you would love to have seen, and I would love if if I could go to see um uh, uh Pink Floyd perform in 1988 at Nassau Stadium in Long Island, New York, which became the the, the album, um, which was called Delicate Sound of Thunder, which was the live record. If I could do that, I would spend $10,000 without even blinking. Without even blinking to be there. You just press the pay button right oh, away. I'd, pre- I'd just be pressing the pay button <laughs> continuously like that. If we got accidentally sent through $40,000. <laughs> do it. I would definitely do that. Hudson Cosgrove, podcasting coach at Blackfriars Priory School, has been my very, very special guest today. Thank you so much for being here, Hudson. And um, best of luck this year with all the stuff to do with the torch. 
Um, it's been a great planning session that we've done today and next week we get together with all of the students and yeah. this is where we see whether or not <laughs> it works. <laughs> if all the whiteboard space has worked. Exactly. We've invested a, we've invested a lot of whiteboard marker into <laughs> this, uh, this, this particular planning session. But I think that the, um, I don't know, like my experience, you know, I mean, I guess up until last year, yeah. you were one of those students. But exactly. uh, my experience of the students at Blackfriars is they're, they're really passionate, they're really focused and just really take to this medium and and uh, and really run with it what do you think it is about Blackfriars that that makes it a place that really works for for things like podcasting and um student voice and and um public speaking those sorts of things i think it's because um the teachers and like all the executive are very much like they rely on student driven activities so yeah they decide what we do but they solely rely on us students very much from a very young age especially in year seven on we make our decisions you know we get to help with decision making and i think yeah that really helps things um like podcasting because students already have their voice and they get to use it in a different way in front of a mic and i think as well we offer very unique different subjects as well as blackfriars so i think podcast being one of the different um, co-curricular activities, I think it's good because they get to experience something they may not have experienced at their primary school or other high school they've been to. Yeah, brilliant. So check out, um, we've put The Torch, which is the podcast that uh, Blackfriars put out. We put a link to it on our social media. Just look for anything at ArchD Radio and it's all there. We are here every week with a brand new podcast version of the ArchD show. Check out all of our other podcasts, including the latest School Life content on our website, archdradio.com. And find us on social media at RHD Radio for heaps of behind-the-scenes stuff. Or you can catch the show when it airs on Life FM every Wednesday night from 9, every Saturday night from 10. We will see you again very soon. Bye.